I think that one of the challenges has little to do with the technology. In fact, I often and always see the roadblock to smarter construction to be the existing ways we are compensated and rewarded for our work, for example. And that leads to this kind of idea that we are playing a zero-sum game. So if I win, you lose. And if, if I lose, you can win in that case. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today my co-host is Seth Heckman. How you doing, Seth? Doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be here. So just to let our audience know, we are going to be doing our challenge words and our guest is participating as well. And what happens with the challenge words is we each have a word that we are challenged to say at some point during our podcast recording today. And uh, so listeners can be listening for strange words that they might hear and they think, ah, maybe that was the challenge word. We'll see. But then at the end, we will announce our success or lack thereof on using our challenge words. So let's get rolling on today's episode of Construction Disruption. Our spotlighted guest is Arnie Hayskonen who is managing partner with consulting and communication company AE Partners based in Helsinki, Finland. With a master's degree in architecture, Arnie is a management consultant and business software developer who helps construction industry innovators succeed. Hailed as a top 100 influencer in construction technology, he has also hosted the AECBusiness.com blog, and the AEC Business Podcast, which features interviews with innovative leaders in all phases of construction. Arnie, welcome to Construction Disruption. Great to have you here. Well, thanks, Todd and Seth. It's great to be here and for once on this side of the uh, virtual table. Well, that's right. You're normally doing the interviewing, so uh, we've got you on the other on the other side in the hot seat today. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. I've been looking forward to this. So, Arnie, your education actually is in architecture. I'm curious what led you down that path of architecture. Are design and construction things that maybe interested you even as a youngster? Well, I have a family background in construction, as I guess is the case with many others in the industry. Typically, I was actually interested in technology, um, but also arts and architecture, and found a bit hard to decide which path to take, so to speak. But as a school kid, I was fascinated by electronics. And I had an uncle who brought me all, all sorts of electronics components, and I put together radio transmitters and my stereo system and all sorts of instruments. So, so I was really fascinated by technology early on. But uh, when I finished high school, I was admitted to three universities, actually. So one in physics, economics, and one in architecture. I, I decided to choose architecture because it was the toughest place to get in. And I liked the idea of becoming an architect one day. So Yes, it has been in my blood, so to speak, but also technology to a high degree. Wow. Well, you're a little different than me. If I had the choice of three schools, I probably would not have taken the most difficult one. So uh, <laughs> I, I applaud you for being up to the challenge. That's fantastic. 
So as your career has progressed, though, you have ended up more on the path of technology and the future of construction rather than, I, I believe, so much hands-on design and, and architecture. What did that pathway look like for you? How did you end up going that direction versus more of a construction or design-oriented career? Well, in fact, I started off as an, an architect designing something for a for a few months, but then I was hired by by a company whose uh, founder was a um, professor who who had actually been in the USA in the 1950s and 60s, and there he had acquainted himself with computer-aided design at Stanford, and he was so enthusiastic about the idea that when I entered the company in 1984, he invested in, in computer-aided design and I was one of the lucky ones who, who was invited to be on, on that team of, let's say, pioneers in CAD in Finland. And um, we actually did some uh, wonderful projects, one laboratory and a huge office building. And I was in charge of, of those, let's say, CAD integration. And we did a lot of programming and because the tools back then were not designed for architects. They were designed for industrial design and, and military purposes, so to speak. Then I moved to another company as an R&D manager. And um, you may remember that in 1994, Netscape browser came about and it led me to web app design and, and starting my own business around that idea. But then they came the internet bubble and I became a management consultant helping companies in, in various industries, including construction. And um, one of the spin-offs from that consulting business was uh, a software company, which uh, I actually wrote the first version of the software. It was for IT and project uh, portfolio management. And now nowadays it's a separate company. It's, it's doing really well. It has something like 300,000 end users currently. So it's it's been a huge success. But I still do consulting work, but now I focus more on AEC businesses, innovation and communication needs. Wow, very good. So over the last year, uh, we have had a couple of other international guests here on Construction Disruption, and certainly very pleased to have you here from Finland today. I'm, I'm just kind of curious, can you give us sort of an overview of what construction is like in Finland today? Maybe what are some of the most active sectors and maybe even some of the more innovative things uh, you see happening right now? Well, Finland is a small market if you compare it with your country. I just checked that there are only 27 contractors in Finland who have a turnover of over $100 million. And the biggest company has a turnover of 2.9 billion euros or dollars. They are nowadays pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a small market, but and I think that because we are so small, we are really we are really collaborative here in Finland. And the collaboration is between companies, but it's also between companies and academics and research institutions and also the government is really active here in Finland. I guess unlike in the USA, government is really interested in investing in construction and real estate innovation and, and technology. And um, I think we are, as a, an industry in Finland, we are very advanced in prefabrication, lean construction, especially tax planning and uh, tax production, and virtual design and construction. I think that 
almost every project now, nowadays is maybe over 80% use BIM models in, in, in construction, for example. And we have several government-initiated uh, and funded programs to advance digital interoperability and innovation. And by the way, I'm involved in one group called Building 2030. It was um, devised by Alto University in 2016, I think. And it has, uh, so Alto University and 21 companies in the construction industry, and they are together, they, they created a vision for the industry for 2030, hence the name. And um, they are supporting university uh, research that serves their business purposes. So the businesses are funding research. And they have got some really interesting results. I just uh, heard that, for example, they measure every year how they their project that they are involved in, how they have performed. And for example, last year, 91.4% of the almost 200 projects within the group were on time. So typically we say that construction is never on time or on budget. And at least here in Finland, we are doing something right in, in that sense. Yeah, I would certainly say you are, especially during the, the last couple of years. Um, it's been very hard to keep projects on time. So mm-hmm. very interesting. I'm curious what drives that collaboration or, or how does that come about? Because I do think here in our market in the States, it's it can get very siloed. So is it just a, a willingness to network? And if you have problems looking outside your sector or their trade associations that have multiple disciplines or what, what drives that? Well, yeah, I think it's in the nature of, of the Finnish culture to to collaborate because, as I said, we are a small country with 5.5 million people and 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 so it has been a tradition to do two things together and of course there are restrictions how much companies can actually uh, collaborate uh, certain uh, legal issues of course may may come out but in general and one thing that is also very descriptive of our country is a trust in authorities and the government which is not the case in in every country i would say so uh, the, and the government is really sees the value of investing in R&D and interoperability, for example, because they see that that will boost our national economy eventually. But of course, it's not all rose, uh, so rosy every, every day. But in general, I would say that we are exceptionally collaborative in, in this industry. That's very neat and very, uh, very interesting as well. I, I think that uh, other countries, including the U.S., could benefit from that. We historically say that here in the U.S., the construction industry is a bit of a slug, very slow to change, very slow to adapt, very slow to take on new technologies. And, you know, certainly has been seen as one of the last industries here in the U.S. really to try to start to figure out how tech and things can benefit us. I'm kind of curious, what countries do you see really leading the way in terms of technology and construction. Who who do you think we should be looking at and watching? I would say that there are certainly some stars in the USA as well. So because you have so many companies and so so much uh, capital in certain areas. So, of course, there are stars and high performers in the USA as well. But in general, I would say that my understanding is that the general maturity level technologically is higher in Finland than it's in in Mm -hmm. the USA. But countries that are really leading, well, 
not every country is leading in every aspect, but I would point out, for example, Singapore, Israel, of course, the Nordics, the Netherlands, UK, and our Baltic uh, neighbors here, like Estonia, a small country, but making tremendous leaps in, in digital construction. And of course, China is also demonstrating some fantastic speeds in construction. Uh, I'm not sure, but I believe that it's very much uh, uh, relates to modular construction and, and prefabrication. But those are the countries that I would mention. But of course, there are others as well. But in Europe, I think the level also in, within the e European Union, it it's really differs between countries. But in general, I think we are here in the Nordics are pretty good, doing pretty well. Interesting. I know you mentioned there modular construction and factory off-site construction. We have an upcoming guest here on the show, Paolo Tiramani, who is the founder of a company called Boxable in Las Vegas. And Boxable has come up with some modularized designs and, and really doing some very, very cool stuff. So I am anxious to to talk to him. I think he is certainly one of the leaders here in the U.S. in terms of uh, at least some some vision out there of what things could look like in the future. So as you look out to the future, say over the next 20 years, what are some things that come to mind for you as being some of the more exciting or innovative types of things you expect to see over the next 20 years? Mm, yeah, it's, um, as we know, technology development is exponential, whereas our human development is not uh, typically <laughs> exponential. <laughs> I think that this is always taken 10 years for any new idea to break through. So what can happen in 20 years? Of course, I think that our industry will follow the development of technology and especially di digital technology. I expect a lot from process automation and digital fabrication and also something that we call situational awareness. So automating certain business processes, making them transparent, collaborative. If you imagine a factory, they have a control room where in the control room, you can immediately see what the production is, how the production is going, if there are any failures, what are the performance metrics in real time. And I think that that same kind of idea of maybe it's a virtual control room will appear also in in our industry and um, so so i mean i believe in automation and digital fabrication and digital fabrication we can talk more about that of course but basically it's about how we turn digital models and designs directly into constructible constructions and uh, using robots and machines so i expect to see a lot of in that sector. But also one thing that is really important is empowering field workers, those who work on the site with, uh, let's say, mixed reality gear and robots, in a way making everybody like uh, Iron Man on the <laughs> site or Iron Lady. <laughs> I don't know. And one thing that I've realized that construction technology is also going to change the gender equality uh, situation in, the, in construction, because nowadays it's a very, let's say, male-dominated industry. But as we are digitalizing the industry and we are getting more, let's say, robots, it's not the guy with big muscles who, who, is, who is the the construction worker of the future. 
it's maybe it's somebody with uh, skills to use all these technologies and, and women can do this as well, at least as well as men. Sure. So technology can be sort of an equalizer and also allow everyone to be utilized for their, their top skills and abilities. Yeah. Very neat. Well, you know, a lot of times I think when we think about tech, we do think about in construction, we think about automation and some of the things you've been discussing. Any thoughts ultimately on how tech is going to impact the, what I would call the aesthetics, the design, the, the looks um, of our structures going forward? Well, as an architect, originally, I, I really am interested in seeing that. And I don't know if you have seen the online, but there are now a lot of AI-generated images of architecture and art and so on. And these are really fantastic ideas that I think that speaks about, of course, they are just images. They are not real buildings or real designs. But still, I think that technology will allow us to do more with less material and create imaginative and at the same time cost-effective and sustainable architecture. So it will actually help us optimize our buildings and also make them more, let's say, more innovative in many ways, also how they look and feel. And I would imagine that something like an organic architecture kind of expression will come out of it eventually because machines are not restricted by traditional ways of of, of building and traditional structural mechanics. So that's something that will eventually change the way buildings look. Very neat. I, I saw a uh, news story recently where an AI-generated painting or a piece of artwork uh, won a competition in uh, Pennsylvania, I think, here in the States. And, you know, it's just this fantastically creative image uh, that came out. I mean, it, it sort of created this surreal sort of image and and just something that had never seen a person come up with that before. So it was pretty fascinating to to learn about that. Well, you know, speaking of of AI and, and artificial intelligence, what are some of the ways you see it making its way into construction? Maybe perhaps even beyond what we've been talking about, some of the creative design work. Well, uh, I was lucky to be on a team last year that uh, created an, a course for on AI for the built environment here in Finland. It's also available in English, by the way. And it was really nice to see how AI is developing. But so far, the applications in, in this industry have been pretty limited, I would say. But what it could do and, and already does in some, to some extent is that we can use it for predictive analysis of projects. For example, we can, before we even design anything, we can start exploring various alternatives and, and in that sense use AI for risk management. Then we have a design optimization. We can have uh, AI go through hundreds of or thousands or tens of thousands of design alternatives and start optimizing the designs based on several criteria, something that is really difficult for us humans. We can easily manage to take care of two criteria, but having like 100 is really difficult. And then, of course, something that is already uh, taking place is computer vision applications, quality and safe for quality and safety. Situational awareness, which I mentioned earlier, is something that 
what I mean by that is that everybody on a construction site and all the other stakeholders as well know exactly what has happened on the site, what is going on at the moment, and what, what will happen next. So everybody has a clear picture, situation picture. And to do that, we need a lot of data and data. Human, we humans cannot process that much data. So we can have AI process that data and make the conclusions and estimates and, and predictions about the construction. Uh, I see huge potential in that because that's one of the problems we have because we don't have enough. We don't understand what's going on and we, we cannot communicate all the time. So it's, it's becoming too difficult for us humans to manage all that information that's now coming from all the devices and, and what is required from us. I never even thought about that, you know, how AI will be able to do things so much more and, and so much faster than we can. Wow. Never thought about that relationship to construction. Very cool. Well, so that kind of leads into, you know, a possible challenge coming up in terms of construction and, you know, how do we do all that stuff? What are some of the challenges you see facing construction, you know, now or coming up in the future? Well, I think that one of the challenges has little to do with technology. In fact, I often and always see the roadblock to smarter construction to be the existing ways we are compensated and rewarded for our work, for example. And that leads to this kind of idea that we we are playing a zero-sum game. So if I win, you lose. And if I lose, you can you can win in that case. So that's something that we have, have to get rid of. And that, of course, requires changes in, in the way we do agreements, the way we do bidding, and also certainly in regulations as well. And um, to be honest, also how trade unions, for example, <laughs> do their business. So I think that that's one of the challenges that we are so fixed in our thinking and in our systems. So our systems are not allowing us to be innovative. But uh, of course, we have also other <laughs> challenges outside of our industry, the global challenge of, of sustainability, for example. We have a huge carbon footprint and also we produce a lot of waste and all the environments that we create are not always optimal. So I think that that's um, something that we need to tackle, of course, the environmental aspect. And also we have to make our industry interesting for future generations and future professionals. And digitalization may be one of those things that will help in that sense, because people are see that something cool is happening in this industry. And because we are doing... I, we are doing fantastic things in this industry. If you think about it, everything you see around yourself is, is somebody has constructed it, built it. So we are really important, an important industry. Never mind all these digital virtual realities and metaverses, but still everything happens in, in the real world. And one more challenge is, of course, that our projects are our projects. So they are always a little bit different and how can we systematize or systemize the processes? How can we become more, a little bit more industrialized? I'm not talking about conveyor belt type of industry, but I'm talking about a smarter way to build using AI, robots, digital fabrication, and so on, to make it flexible, but still smart. And I think that is uh, one thing. And remembering that we are not talking about 
just about technology, but also make, we should make our industry more human centered as uh, so that it's, uh, it's not just, uh, uh, let's say, as uh, technical and as brutal as it can be. So a little bit more human touch is, is needed. I like that a lot. And, and certainly one of the big things that the United States construction industry is facing, and really I think this is almost worldwide, is a lack of workers, a lack of workforce, a lack of people wanting to get into our industry. And, you know, it's been a number of years, really, our industry has been pretty bamboozled by figuring out, you know, how do we attract more workers? And so some of the things you alluded to there in terms of, hey, making it a more human touch, bringing more people in that way, I I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think your story of letting your passions both on the technology and the construction side for 40 years now both flourish in this industry and getting that story out there and helping people see how flexible and diverse and opportunity for creativity and innovation is just is ripe here in our industry as well. You know, I was, I'm curious to get your feedback on it as someone in a different country and on a different continent. I was at a conference this week and, you know, one of the challenges that was certainly top of mind with attendees and speakers were addressing were just the unique economic conditions that the world is in right now with coming out of COVID and inflation and all those different dynamics. So I'm curious what that narrative is in, in Finland and, and in Europe at, at the moment and what butterfly effect you see coming from, you know, what, uh, yeah, the current economic conditions and, and what that could lead to in our industry in the years to come. Inflation, of course, is a big issue because typically contracts are several years long and the prices that you said on the outset is uh, now it's something totally different. Also, supply chain issues are are really bad in some some instances, not just about digital chips, but also other materials. So I just talked to a couple of um, directors, uh, in construction directors here in Finland, and they said that, okay, we are still doing pretty well, but next year is a, is a really interesting challenge. What will happen? Nobody really knows, to be honest. Uh, but of course, construction is, has always been the last to, let's say, the last one to suffer from and, and also the last one to benefit from economic, uh, let's say, uh, growth. But I would say that uncertainty, what's going to happen? That's an energy, If of course, is one issue. And I see a lot of energy remodeling is taking place in Finland, and that has become an issue now. How can we save energy? And also, how can we invest in smarter energy systems and control systems? So I think that technology, again, will come to aid in many ways, but really the prices and, and energy, those are pain points will be in, in next year. Very interesting. It certainly, certainly will be interesting to see how it all starts to play out. That's for sure. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, your podcast, uh, AEC Business, which you've had for a number of years. And I've had the opportunity to listen in on a couple of episodes and uh, you certainly have a wide variety of guests, uh, largely from the tech sector. But what what is your vision for the podcast? What is it that you are most trying to accomplish through it? 
Well, <laughs> the practical vision is that I, I get to talk to <laughs> so many interesting people, <laughs> which makes it easy. Otherwise, it would be not at all as, as easy. But no, but seriously, my vision is to inspire listeners to look beyond tradition and traditional ways of thinking and, and, and start thinking strategically about technology. Because I think that many companies still see technology as something, okay, it's it's a must have but they don't really understand what it means to their what it means strategically and that's something as as a consultant have been doing they have their let's say cash cows and uh, they focus on those but i have to look it up now because i just read peter drucker had a wonderful idea a wonderful quote check to see if you are earning enough profit to cover the cost of capital and provide for innovation if not, what are you going to do about it? So uh, innovation, that's something that I, I hope that my podcast will promote and inspire. Great answer and, and great thing to be trying to accomplish. And I think that's a lot of what we're trying to do here as well with our podcast. But that Drucker quote is certainly fantastic. I mean, innovation has to be something that a business is planning for and a business is preparing for. If you're short-sighted and not thinking about innovation, well, everyone else is going to go around you at some point and the world's going to go around you as well. So good stuff. Well, as you think back on your podcast episodes, and let's say someone is just tuning into AEC Business for the first time, any particular episodes or guests that really stand out to you or that you would say, hey, go listen to this one. If you're only going to listen to a couple episodes, make sure you listen to these. Coincidentally, I just uh, did a series of podcast episodes for the WDBE conference, and WDBE is World of Digital Built Environment. It's a summit that takes place next week, by the way, and I'm, I'm going. It's a two-day summit, and um, I was uh, asked by the organizers to do interviews with the keynote speakers, and I would recommend listening to those because they are thought leaders, and every one of them has some something new to say. For example, um, I just interviewed Jacqueline Rohrman. She's um, a German lady who is known as that BIM girl on, on YouTube. She has a, her own YouTube, very popular YouTube channel. And she's, um, she's an example of a modern uh, professional. She was very interested in BIM and became the BIM manager responsible for design and BIM management for the Tesla, Tesla Gigafactory in Berlin. So, and, and she tells a story how when she went there, there was an, an American team leading the, the project, but then came COVID and your president said something about closing your borders and all the, the Americans flew back home and the Germans had to cope with it. And Jacqueline was one of those who, who was uh, in charge. And, and, and actually she's coming to, to Helsinki next week. Uh, hopefully I, I will meet her. So. Those WDB uh, recent, most recent episodes are really interesting to listen. And of course, there are several others, older episodes. So please go, go and check them out. Very good. Well, we certainly encourage folks to do that. And, you know, I had seen the ones that were WDBE, and that's what I'd listened to. And I wasn't quite sure what WDBE was. So that makes a lot more sense now. I kept thinking it sounded like call letters for a radio station or something. So, well, yeah, uh, it could so, be. <laughs> so 
world. What was it? What was it again? World. The world of digital built environment. Built environment. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So that's uh, it's about not just about construction, but the built environment um, in, in general. Yeah. So a lot of our audience members, uh, we believe, are younger folks in construction and design. Any particular advice you would have for younger folks in this business to help them uh, lead careers that have a positive impact on our industry? Well, um, I think that nowadays, many young people, they actually have a vision, (laughs) a vision and mission in their lives, which is fantastic. I think that when I was young, we didn't have that. <laughs> We're just looking for some interesting jobs to do. Yep. But uh, maybe I would advise them to try to think about how, how to improve the industry, this industry, so it becomes better for people, of course, for businesses and the environment. And then find the employers and, and business partners who share their values. Because I think that values are becoming so important every business nowadays. So, and then the other thing that Seth actually <laughs> pointed out uh, was that don't lock into one role. Be open to exploring other things as well. So I don't think that any one of us in the future will have just one career, one thing that they will do for, for the rest of their lives. So I think that's um, an important. And also, I advise people to collaborate with others, other industries and other people in the industry. So, so that's also that create connections. Connections are most important things <laughs> eventually. And um, I think people together can make miracles happen. So it's all about people eventually. Great points there. And, and I agree with you. I, I find so often too, the younger generation really has some specific goals and, and things they want to accomplish. And you know, back 35, 40 years ago, you're right. For me, it was just about, you know, how do I go out and get into the world and start earning a, a living? So, and this idea you bring up of collaboration is fantastic. I know that we as a company have been heavily involved with some national trade associations over the years. And, you know, some of my best relationships and greatest learning points in my career have been through those relationships with competitors, suppliers, customers. Uh, So a lot happens that way. Well, Arnie, this has been great. We are coming close to wrapping up at least the business end of things. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to talk with you. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our audience? I don't think really uh, that, uh, of course, we have just scratched the surface of things. So (laughs) there are so many things that we could talk about for hours, I, I guess. But your questions were really good and uh, made me also think about what to do next. And and uh, it's nice to hear that somebody's listening to my podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we close out, I'm going to ask, and I realize that uh, English is uh, your third language, um, but I'm going to ask if you'd be willing to participate in our rapid fire questions. So these are seven questions. They may be a little silly. Some may be a little more serious. All you have to do is we throw out a question. You give us the first thing that comes to mind for you. And our audience needs to understand Arnie doesn't have a clue what we're about to ask him if he agrees to this. So are you up to the challenge of trying a few rapid fire questions here? Yes, I'm always ready to make a fool of myself, yes. <laughs> you, you won't at all. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> Seth, you want to ask the first one? Sure. 
rapid fire question. Number one, if you could try any food that you have never tried before, what would it be? Bugs. Interesting. Very interesting. Sustainability <laughs> to a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> Something I also have never intentionally tried, but I have a feeling I, I've tried it unintentionally a few times. Very good. So if you had your choice, instead of being a human, you could be a dog or a cat, which would you be? Well, that's easy. Dog. Dog. <laughs> you know, we had that question before, and that was what we all thought. And then uh, someone said, of course, if I was a cat, I wouldn't have to go outside to use the bathroom. I could just go over the corner of the room. And that was a little bit appealing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. <laughs> all right. Question number three. A little more serious, maybe, maybe not. What is your favorite childhood memory? Hmm. That was when I was driving alone. I was maybe three years old, and I was I was left in my dad's car, and I somehow managed to <laughs> not start the engine, but uh, take the brake off, and it it went downhill and crashed into a tree. So <laughs> that was my. That is quite a memory. <laughs> okay. So my first uh, driving lesson. <laughs> Question number four. What is your favorite breakfast or breakfast food? Oatmeal. Very good. I like that too. Any particular toppings on your oatmeal or just? Well, I have some uh, walnuts and maybe some fruit. Very good. Very good. What is some place uh, you hope to visit someday? Um, well, there are so many places that I haven't visited, but I would probably, I would go to the Antarctic. Yeah, I would love to see that because I know that it's a really harsh place. Yeah. So if someone were to tell you they are going to visit Finland, what are the top three things that your places that you would say they really must see when they are visiting Finland? Well, um, of course, Helsinki is our city and I would love to see them here and especially the old buildings from, from the time when Finland was actually part of Russia. So those are really interesting. And then, of course, the Turku archipelago is fantastic, the islands okay. there and definitely seeing uh, northern lights in Lapland is a really fantastic experience. Oh, I bet. Wow. Fantastic. Last question, Seth. Yep. Last question. Are you a morning person or an evening person, night, night owl? I thought that I was uh, an evening person, but now I've learned that I'm a morning person. I wake up at six at the latest. So yeah, I've, I've kind of seen that happen in my life too. I, I get up earlier than I used to, but I I pretty much tap out about uh, 10 o'clock at night, dude. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, this has been great, Arnie. Thank you so much. I do want to share with our audience our success on our challenge words. Uh, we were all successful on our challenge words today. I had to, well, I cheated a little bit. I have to confess. Uh, my challenge word was bamboozle, and I actually used bamboozled. So I did cheat a mm -hmm. tiny bit. Um, Seth, what was your word? I had butterfly. So you did a good butterfly. job of working that in. I'm kind of need to figure out what butterfly effect means now. So that was good. And Arnie, you worked yours in. Your word was cow. Cow. You worked cash cow. I mentioned cash cow. I guess you worked it in well. That was great. Well, thank you. That was fun.
Well, thank you again for joining us, Arnie. This has been a blast. Um, very informative as well. We'd love to have you back sometime again. Uh, but thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you, Todd and Seth. And uh, as I warned, I will invite you to my podcast as well. So you will suffer. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to be on it. Just throw me some challenge words and rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and thank you to our audience for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Arnie Hayskonen of AEC Partners. Please watch out for future episodes of our podcast. We always have great guests on tap. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Um, until the next episode, change the world for someone, make them smile, encourage them. Two very simple but yet powerful things you can do to change the world one person at a time. Um, in the meanwhile, God bless, take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption.